welcome to GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I am your host, Emily Hutchinson. And I'm your co-host, Mark Ambrosio. And I feel like, Mark, we've just left off because we recorded another episode just a couple days ago with one of your, your friends who are graduating soon. And here we have another one. So can you, where did you find all these people? What's going on? <laughs> well, we have another one with us today, someone in the informa- Library and Information Science and of FIMS. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, uh, my name's Arthi Um I'm in my last term of my MLIS degree, um, and I'm excited to talk about libraries. <laughs> We're excited to hear about libraries. So just to, to get started, could you tell us very generally what your program kind of entails? Like what, what, what's going on in your program? Well, technically for me, I'm taking a one year. Uh, I'm doing it in one year. Um, it's three terms, uh, 15 courses, um, but there is an option to do co-op. So if you'd like, you can do three courses one term, do co-op for four months or eight months, depending on your um, your contract. And then uh, you can come back and finish up your courses. Um, so for me, I am on a leave of absence from my uh, full-time full-time job as a library assistant in a public library. And so I have one year to finish. And so I just did a five-course load for three terms, and now I'm at the end of the road. Right. So you don't really need to do a co-op because you have that experience from, from before. Could you tell us a little bit about that? So before we start really talking about your research, what was it like to be a, a library assistant? Uh, it's great. Like I started off as a page um, in 2015, so and then just moved my way up uh, into a library assistant uh, supervisor position, and um, it's great. Like I, I love that my job. I love my work. Um, working with people with of different age groups, um, solving problems. Um, I feel like I thrive in a very high like stress positions, so I really do enjoy. Um, working with the public as well um, and just creating programs for children, for youth. Um, we also do like a lot of older adult um, and newcomer programming as well. So yeah, I uh, that, and that's kind of why I kind of was like, you know what, let me do a MLIS degree and be able to actually be a bit more impactful mm-hmm. um, in libraries. Yeah. So Arthi, the, uh, the discipline that you and I are in is library and information science. I thought we might maybe you could speak to more specifically the degree you're in, the Master of Library Information Science program, commonly known as the MLIS degree. And you mentioned that you are a library assistant at the Mississauga Public Library System. And a lot of people would probably be ignorant as to the difference between, or not unaware of, the difference between a library assistant and a professional librarian. And a lot of people, you know, I've, <laughs> I've had this conversation with people like, you know, what do you study in library science or library and information science? Um, you know, like what, what, what do you do? <laughs> and, uh, and I think also the idea of professional librarianship is lost on people. I'm wondering maybe you can maybe speak to that. Like why are you in the MLS and what does it involve and how might that be different from what you've done before as a library assistant? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so as a, so with the program, I'm learning the difference, actually. Um, a lot of theory goes into librarianship. So there is um, collection management aspects that, as a library assistant, that I was never um, 
I never really understood. Uh, you do like get snippets of it from your librarians that work you, that you work with uh, when it comes to uh, weeding. Or weeding is like when you deselect items or like get rid of them from the shelves. Oh, and then uh, where do they go? Sorry to interrupt you, <laughs> but what what happens to those things that are weeded? Uh, they're often either going to book sale, okay. or yep. if they're damaged, they're often just uh, thrown out. Like, okay. Yeah. Usually just thrown out because you can't always recycle them uh, just because of the way books are made, um, especially hardcovers. Right. So but, the books have a shelf life. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, we also only have so much shelf space, too. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and this is across all libraries where there is this shift of um, how much books we have, like physical copies as and then as opposed to like digital copies. So there is a shift towards more digital, but we do try to um, have as much physical copies available for those. There are a lot of people who like the physical, uh, reading physical books. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Speaking, returning to the MLS program, maybe you can uh, speak, Arthi, about some of the courses you've had. Um, what ones have you found interesting? Yeah, so um, I've taken the few that I've, uh, so. This term I'm taking accessibility um, and information environments is taught by Heather Hill, uh, sorry, Dr. Heather Hill, and uh, it's great. Like it's it's super eye opening about the um, inaccessibility of library spaces and just um, just the built environment in general. Um, so that's really interesting. Um, I also took Indigenizing and Decolonizing LIS, but uh, taught by Danica Pollock Potts. Um, Two other courses are comic, uh, comics and libraries, and uh, youth in context. Um, they're both taught by Luthia Cadera Sorrentes. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry if I like butchered her name, but um, yeah, those four courses are um, they're like they're probably my top favorite courses, um, and it kind of like speaks to my uh, what I want to also focus on as well, like in terms of youth programming. Um, comics, I love comics, so uh, that's something I've always been interested in learning in, so that was really cool. Um, it helps with readers' advisory, especially for um, for all ages. That's really great. It's really cool to hear about all the background learning that goes into like library programs that people just kind of show up and they're there, right? Like it really is a service to the community that the community might take for granted, but it's it's awesome to hear about all that background stuff. So when you do these programming and things for the people in the community, how, how does that go through the pipeline? So someone comes up with an idea, and then how does that get implemented into the community? It really depends. So um, in our library system uh, where I work, uh, we have a, now we have a centralized programming committee that kind of decides what type of program we have. Um, they, they, of course, do a needs assessment. Um, they also take on suggestions from staff. Mm -hmm. um, and they kind of determine where and when programs happen. So for example, if we have um, a story time, like a drag story time, which it's usually an external performer that comes in, uh, they would uh, book that performer for uh, specific branches and yeah. depending on and often they do get input from they try to get input from uh, staff that are in the branches for timing and dates and stuff but um, yeah so we have a centralized programmer programming committee that makes those decisions and that's kind of how it happens <laughs> uh, I find that uh, if it's previously we used to have uh, a little bit more customized programming mm -hmm. in our libraries. Um, this is pre-COVID as well. And before we had a different uh, organization, um, we did have, we like with COVID happening, we had like there was 
tremendous change in the way we do things in our library now. Um, but pre-COVID, we used to have different branches had their own different like specific programming. Um, I remember a couple years ago, we did a, uh, a comic comics festival thing in our uh, library because we're we're part high school library, part public library. Mm-hmm. Oh. So we would pr- uh, partner with the teacher librarian that was there, um, and they would have a students like help put this together. And the library was helping with like resources, um, programming of our own, um, and then we had like people in uh, the Star Wars stormtrooper costumes come in. It was <laughs> a whole awesome. thing. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. It was a very wow. like community based, community run program, um, and it was great because we had the high school students really help out with that, and they were able to get their volunteer hours. And mm-hmm. it was, uh, it's a great, it was a great program. Um, unfortunately, we haven't had it, we haven't had a chance to do it yet since COVID happened. So, we'll we'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know at the downtown at the Central Library here in downtown London. Um, I think there was a brief pause for a couple of years, but they've had they've participated in Free Comic Book Day, um, along with some of the downtown comic book stores. Uh, you mentioned that the branch you worked at in Mississauga is both a branch and a school library, which is very unique to me. Uh, may I ask what branch that is? So it's Churchill Meadows Library. Um, there's a few that are like that in our system. Uh, I could. From top of my head, I can think of two others. Uh, they're usually also part of community centers too. So we have one branch that's actually part com- in a community center that is also a public library as well as a high school library. Wow. Yeah. So there. Uh, so that branch gets really busy. Um, it does cater to a wide variety of people, um, and it's a it's it's a fun branch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, no, that's really cool. The branch closest to my house is Sherwood Forest Mall's branch. And so shout out to them. <laughs> <laughs> they are my personal branch of the London Library System. Uh, I want to kind of bring it back to COVID again. I know people are very sick of COVID, but COVID and libraries is something that really affected me because I am uh, what Mark calls an avid yes. reader. <laughs> and so when COVID hit... Amelie is the definition of, a, of an avid reader. <laughs> yeah, I read back to back. But when COVID happened, my library shut down and I was like, what am I going to do? Because, okay, I could go to a used bookstore. Nope, they're closed too. Like I've read all the books that I own. I can start rereading them. But now what? And so that was a big challenge. I ended up buying buying an e-reader and then connecting it to the virtual library system with overdrive and getting the ebooks there but how did that affect you guys like because for me like okay i got my e-reader i'm still kind of connected to the library but the librarians what what happened to them uh so uh my personal experience was that um we got half of us got laid off yeah yeah. (laughs) um it was very unfortunate uh that uh, part-timers actually got laid off um Fortunately, the full-timers were able to keep their jobs, mm-hmm. and they kind of had to adapt and um, start doing different things that they never were able to do. They would have to use their own resources to, like, do things. Um, so it was it was a very big shift. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was laid off in the first few months of that, I, I didn't have I didn't feel that burden it was just financially burdened um but Mm -hmm. when we did reopen in like I think with very very limited services Mm -hmm. um it was good to be back um I know that our digital services and our virtual programming really um came up to Mm -hmm. the forefront um we never had virtual programming before that in our library we didn't really have that much of a digital presence to be honest um but with this it kind of really shifted our library's servicing um 
the way we provide services and like our resources as well like online resources um, and it's great because now there's so many videos on how to use some of our um, databases and some of our resources like press reader or even mango languages um, and a lot of times before that people wouldn't know how to use it and you would literally have to show them on the at the desk mm -hmm. how to use those resources or they would have to set up a time to meet with the librarian or a library assistant to use those resources so it was really great to like um, start providing this service uh, virtually and be able to focus on other things in person because sometimes you'll have like a lineup of people right and you can't spend like 20 minutes trying to help one person yeah. um saying the same thing to each one exactly too. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i um, find the uh, the ask the online aspect to libraries to be very interesting um in my lis phd cohort in september or the fall term 2021 we were talking about the libraries at western and the extent to which we were using them and a couple of my classmates were like oh yeah i don't use the library at all and but, you know, because I get all my journals online. Well, okay, and then I'll just back it up a second. And this is a class with Dr. Heather Hill, who's also on my committee. And uh, those journal articles you're accessing, that's through the library. You mm -hmm. know, and the librarians are choosing which journals to subscribe to, et cetera. So even yeah. when you're accessing the library digitally, you're still in the mm -hmm. library, just mm -hmm. not physically inside the library, which is very interesting. And But speaking of returning to the library, for me, after COVID, it was... So I run a book club that meets at the Central Library here downtown, London. I would say be maybe May 2022, where we were back, like in the fullest sense, like we were back with meetings and our programming. And to my mind, I mean, yes, libraries open here and there between lockdowns and um, with limited service. But I think it was really back in the fullest sense when the programming was resumed. And yeah. I find that aspect of libraries to be very interesting, the idea of programming and the educational aspects of Central of sorry, the public library system. And I was wondering if you could maybe speak to that, like the types of programming that you do, the idea of a public library as an intellectual resource for the community. Yeah. Oh, man, that's a lot. <laughs> um, I'm going to, like, divide that question yes. a little bit. I, 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 threw, I threw a whole bunch of things at you there. <laughs> Part A. <laughs> Part A, yes. So when it comes to um, programming itself, it really, uh, because there's so many different types of people that come come to the library and you cater to different people, um, I a lot of my programming was kind of different age groups so I sometimes it depends on the branch I'm working at as well I've had to jump through different branches um, but I've always enjoyed doing youth programming um, especially working at the current my current branch and working with my coworker, who's also very passionate with youth programming um, we it was we created um, a cafe series that was wow. like helpful with um, in a way to like get youth to be more involved with the library, um, to let, make them come to the library a bit more. So we had like a cartoonist who's um, who's actually a published cartoonist, but he's also a library assistant, um, come and do a workshop for us um, and like talk about publishing. And then we had uh, somebody from employment services come and talk about their mm -hmm. um, on finding jobs. So um, it was great because a lot of the kids were able to talk about their transferable skills, um, right. especially like people who've never worked before, like kids who's never, who've never worked before. Um, so there's those type of programming, but we've also done children's programming, especially in the summer. I'm kind of, I kind of miss doing that this summer. Um, but last summer we had, it was uh, June, July and mid-August. It's very busy at libraries. We have summer reading club um, where every week we have programs for 
two or three different age groups and you do different types of programming. There's story time, there's crafts, um, there's also just uh, encouraging them to read and talking about their books. So kind of a pseudo book club as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also have like adult programming and a lot of our online programs now are actually adult programming. Um, we do have a few youth as well, but from when I was there last year, we um, I did a few adult programs for like Learn to Camp, partnership programs with Parks Canada so they talk about how to camp where to where to find your um, where to find campgrounds and just information on how like how to camp a lot of newcomers enjoy that program Mm because it's you know they've never really camped before you know Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of a newer concept Um, so programs like that are really good really really cool and that's kind of that kind of speaks to your um, information what type of information we provide Mm and it's it's that type of information, um, but also just uh, partnering with other um, organizations like Service Canada. Um. Thank you, Arthur. That's very interesting and um, reminds me, one of my favorite authors is Raymond Bradbury, the author of Fahrenheit 451. Um, and he said uh, that he, I'll just quote, he said, I didn't go to college, but when I graduated from high school, I went down to the local library and I spent 10 years there, two or three days a week. And I got a better education than most people get from universities. I graduated from the library when I was 28 years old. And I find that very intriguing. And there's also a professor at University of Toronto, uh, Juris DeLevko, who wrote a book with uh, Candace McGowan on Reader's Advisory Services and the idea of how librarians, A, how libraries, the public library system can be a community center and a source of social and intellectual life in the community and be how librarians play a role in that, like things like readers advisory services. And um, I'm wondering if Arthur, you can tell us a little bit about what readers advisory services are and the way in which librarians interact with, with uh, readers perhaps. Yeah. So readers advisory is essentially just helping you find your next best read. Um, It's trying to figure out what the person likes through a series of questions and just like just finding a book that's like that they'll be like, yes, this is amazing. Can I get more? Um, And it's also opening them up to new genres, new authors. Um, Oftentimes people do like come in with um, certain authors that they want or books that they uh, certain genres that they want. And oftentimes for me, like I try to um, look for book lists and stuff. Uh, I'm always just looking up on book (laughs) book riot. It's like my favorite. (laughs) I'm always reading up on stuff there. but yeah, essentially, you're just trying to find the next best read for the per- uh, for your customer. And that could be a fiction book or it could be a nonfiction. Um, it varies uh, vastly um, and also helping them find that book. So sometimes we might not have a physical copy in the library. And so we would show them how to use our online resources. So like, for example, I think Amali talked about Overdrive earlier. Mm-hmm. So like how to use Libby and then... I love Libby. <laughs> I know. <laughs> love it. And there's, I don't know, do you have Hoopla? Thing yes. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I recently Hoopla got, well. um, I recently got reacquainted with Hoopla. Yeah. It's a great resource. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's actually really interesting because when I started this degree, one of the first courses you take is information services and um, sources. And in that course, it really opened up my understanding of providing readers advisory because as a library assistant, you don't always get the training that librarians get, of course, right? Um, And so with 
reader with the information sources and services course i really learned how to f use different tools mm -hmm. that we've always had like i know we had knowledge in our system but i've never as a like library assistant i've never really used it i didn't know how to use it um and so just learning things like that um, through this degree has really helped me kind of figure out, okay, this is how I can better serve um, serve my like patrons. But it's kind of like a disservice of the past like few years that I've been providing <laughs> readers yeah. advisory. I'm like, why didn't I know this before? <laughs> I feel like I've missed out and like people I've helped um, and like could have helped better. Well, I'm sure you're already doing good work, good work yeah. before and that'll be even better. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is really cool. I love hearing about about all this experience you have and then now you're, you're doing your degree to get more. Is there any kind of research project or independent study project or something like that you're doing in addition to the coursework? And if so, could you tell us about it? Uh, so I'm not, not, Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, I'm what I'm trying. What I've learned and I'm do that I've realized that I'm doing is kind of integrating a lot of the different things that I'm learning in my different courses into like all my different final projects this yes. term. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, for example, for my um, public libraries course, I'm doing a project on accessibility mm -hmm. in public libraries, um, and I'm just uh, I'm using Mississauga Library as a case study to evalu evaluate um, how accessibility comes into play when it comes to future planning and like library space analysis and stuff um, and then sometimes I'm like this is so interesting to have everything integrated and um, as I'm coming to the end of my degree I'm like everything is kind of coming together um, which is great um, but I, I don't really have like a research project that I'm working on it's just a series of different things that I'm doing yeah, uh, yeah. that kind of build on each other um, and I'm essentially kind of creating a portfolio for myself yeah because like, in a sense it's kind of like professional school right yeah. like you're training to be a librarian yeah. right yeah. and so yeah. you're learning things that's that are going to go into that that's awesome yeah 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 um different municipal uh, public library systems have all sorts of different features um and then you know like there are archives there are as you mentioned services for children there's youth programming uh perhaps book clubs for adults um I was wondering, maybe you can speak to some of that, like, and what ones interest you? Um, as an example, maybe just to start off with one area, does the Mississauga Public Library System have archives? Um, and what service, what types, of, and beyond that, what other types of services do they provide? So we don't have an archive per se. Um, we do have museums, Mississauga, uh, and they might have an archive. I can't say for sure. Um, I'm not entirely knowledgeable in that area um, but the museums of Mississauga do have a lot of uh, programming that they do in their museums um, we have heritage houses that um, you can visit and they often have seasonal programs that they run throughout the summer and winter um, so they we do have that but we are also working on a digitization project um, of a lot of our collections um, especially from that like microfiche collections wow. that we have um, I know there's a team that's been working on it throughout the past at least two or three years since the central uh, or Mississauga Library is under uh, renovations. Um, so since the renovations started, uh, they've been working on that. Perfect. That's cool. I want to, we're not at the end yet, but we're approaching the end. So I wanted to ask you, you have another role here at Western. You are a SOGS representative for MLIS on the Student Council. Could you tell us a little bit about that role? 
Yeah. Uh, so I I've been the song's representative for the fall, uh, the winter and summer term, and uh, it's it's pretty cool. Um, as a person who's only been here for one year, like only for twelve months, it's unfortunate they don't get to get more involved in different. Uh, like in, in different groups and so being a SOGS representative and being at SOGS council meetings it really opened my eyes to like all the different things that is happening on campus um, especially with the graduate students um, and it's uh, so as a SOGS representative I I join I uh, I'm at council meetings mm-hmm. and I vote on council motions um, and then I come back to my MLIS council and like let them know about what's happening um, and I also try to my try my best to promote a lot of the SOGS events that are happening to MLIS students because um, I find that because MLIS is such a small uh, cohort of students who are often either at co-op or they're doing uh, the courses virtually um, or they're just like not aware of what's happening outside of F and B. So, uh, so it's it was it's really it was really fun to kind of uh, see what's happening outside of our MLIS program. Um, and I do recommend MLIS students to join council. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's a great way to meet new people. It's a great way, um, and also council uh, SOGS committees um, just to get yourself involved and to do something outside of you know, coursework. <laughs> yeah. um, I find that MLIS, it has a lot of people who have very diverse backgrounds. Um, and so just um, meeting people outside of that would be like super awesome too. <laughs> Speaking of um, meeting other graduate students, um, I know you've worked at the Mississauga Public Library and then perhaps, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe you also work, you've had some experience working at the Fim's Graduate Library, and uh, how did that come about, and how like have you enjoyed that experience as well? Yeah, um, that actually I've I want I've wanted to join uh, Fim's Grad Library in September, but I just I missed the deadline for applications. So eventually, I did get to get a posting um, starting in January, and uh, oh man, it's such an amazing. Uh, opportunity um, you get to learn so much about so I come a public libraries background I've never really worked at an academic library before uh, and uh, and FIMS grad library is very special type of mm-hmm. academic library um, so it's really interesting um, talking to people and helping um, helping librarians find information you know it, it was very it, it felt very meta sort of <laughs> um here's a library in a library school yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly um and then you get to serve librarians coming in asking questions <laughs> yeah yeah so sometimes i feel like oh my gosh i need to know this <laughs> but it's also like train um putting into practice what you're training for right um what I really enjoyed was also like uh, I did virtual chat as well, um, and that was very fun. Uh, providing reference to univer- to faculty and students was really cool, uh, especially to because it the library chat um, is for all. I think all Ontario library, uh, Ontario uh-huh. universities, um, part of the Ontario Council of University Libraries. Um, so that includes like Lakehead University, mm-hmm. TMU, um, Nipissing. So you'll get all these, all like random students wow. asking for questions. It'd be very niche questions that you get, and I really enjoyed um, finding information for them. Even though like sometimes it'll be like a health information question, which 
I have no idea about, no background in, but I'd have to find, um, you know, the information sources and services again. That course was very helpful in trying to um, help help uh, people find their information. Um, mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. And I, I feel like I want to ask more questions, but we're unfortunately out of time. So I'll thank you so much for coming on GradCast and telling us all about what you do. Yeah, of course. I really enjoyed this talk. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Arthur. It's, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> All right. I will take us out. This has been GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I've been your host, Emily Hutchinson, and my co-host was Mark Ambrosio, and we've been speaking with Arthi Siva Subramania. And this episode was produced by me, Emily Hutchinson, shadowed by Susie Lee. If you'd like to be involved with the show or get in contact with us, you can email us at gradcast at sogs.ca. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Gradcast Radio. To listen to us, we're on Radio Western 94.9 FM. And you can find all of our episodes wherever you find your podcast. Thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs>